Let's begin our lesson. Ayah number 68 of Suratul Qasas. وَرَبُّكَ And your Lord يَخْلُقُ He creates مَا يَشَاءُ Whatever He wills وَيَخْتَارُ And He chooses He creates whatever He wills And He also chooses whatever and whoever He wills The word يَخْتَارُ Is from the word اِخْتِيَار From the root letters خَا يَا رَا خَيْر خَيْر means that which is good and ikhtara, yakhtaru, ikhtiyar is to have freedom in one's choices, meaning a person has the freedom to choose whatever he wants. He has the freedom to like or dislike whatever he wants. And generally, what is it that a person chooses? What is it that a person likes? What he thinks to be khair. Like for example, a person who owns some money, like for example, a person has $50 in their pocket. They have the ikhtiyar, they have the choice, the freedom to use that $50 for whatever they want. And a person who's got $50 that belong to somebody else in their pocket, do they have ikhtiyar to do whatever they want? No, they do not have the freedom. Right? Because it doesn't belong to them. So Allah alone, Rabbuka, your Lord is the one who creates and your Lord is the one who chooses. Why? Because everything belongs to who? It belongs to Him and Him alone. Because He is Al-Malik, He is Al-Malik, He is Al-Malik. He is the King, He is the Sovereign, He is the one with supreme authority. There is nothing except that Allah is its owner. And who are we? We are His creation. We are Mamluk. We are owned by Him. And Allah is Malik. So the owner is the one who has choice, not the one who is owned. So وَرَبُّكَ يَخْلُقُ مَا يَشَاءُ وَيَخْتَارُ He can choose whatever, whoever He wills. The decision is His. مَا كَانَ مَا not. Kana, it is lahum for them. For who? For the creation. For people. For the mamluk. For those who are owned. They do not have al-khiyarah. The choice. Al-khiyarah. The ability or the liberty, the authority to choose. So people, as creation, we do not have the choice. This choice rests with who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Subhanallah, exalted, perfect is Allah, wa ta'ala, and He is high above, amma yushrikun, from that which they associate with Him. Because Allah alone has this authority, and those besides Allah do not have this authority or right at all. So Allah is far above them. You know, in Surah Al-Ankabut, we learn about the example of shirk, right? That how, those who worship others besides Allah, those who call upon others besides Allah, it is as if they are relying upon a spider's web. And the weakest of all houses is which house? Spider's web. It cannot even protect itself. The spider cannot even protect its web. Isn't it so? In the Quran, we are also given the example of a fly. That how those who associate partners with Allah... Those who are associated with Allah, they are so weak that they cannot even create something like a 
fly. And if a fly takes something away from them, they cannot even take it back. So if there is an idol and a fly comes and sits on it, it cannot shoo it away. Can it? It doesn't have the ability. And if there is a person or anything else that is worshipped, can it take anything back from the fly? No. I mean, if a fly comes and sits on your food and flies away in a second, and there's probably more than one fly in the area, how do you know which fly took it? Right? Which fly was it? It's so difficult to even catch a fly. So, subhanallah wa ta'ala amma yushrikun. Everything, everyone besides Allah, what power do they have? They don't have any power. So how can they have the authority to choose? How can they have the ability to create and to give preference to one over the other? When they cannot even help themselves, how can they give to others? Now there is a particular context to this ayah. Basically we learn that the mushrikeen right, of Makkah, because the surah is Makki, we learn that they criticized the Prophet ﷺ. They said that, you know, if Allah had to send a Prophet, why would He choose Muhammad ﷺ? An orphan, right? And even though the Prophet ﷺ was at that time 40 years old, but the fact that his father had died before even he was born, Right? This is something that mattered in that society. An orphan. Secondly, he's not really wealthy compared to some other people. So they said that Muhammad ﷺ should not have been a prophet. As if they were saying that Allah made a bad choice. Allah made a bad decision. Na'udhu Billah. That if Allah had to send a prophet, He should have chosen one of the two great men. Right? From the two cities. One person from Mecca and the other person from Ta'if. And who are they referring to? Walid bin Mughira and Urwa bin Mas'ud al-Thaqafi. Walid bin Mughira from Mecca because he was a, a great man. Walid bin Mughira, by the way, he was the father of Khalid bin Walid. Radiallahu anhu. Alright? And Walid bin Mughira had many sons. He had a lot of property. And we learn more about him later on in the Qur'an. They said that Walid bin Mughira, because of the fact that he has so many sons, the fact that he has so much wealth, so much authority, he's a big name, he should have been made a prophet. And if not him, then okay, someone from Ta'if. Someone like Urwa bin Mas'ud al-Thaqafi. Why Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam? So Allah clarifies over here, that someone being chosen is not on the basis of what you think, what you choose, what you prefer, what you like, or what you dislike. Someone being chosen or someone not being chosen. This is ultimately by whose decision? Allah's decision. Because He is the creator, He is the owner. In Surah Al-Zukhruf, Ayah 31, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَقَالُوا لَوْ لَا نُزِّلَ هَذَا الْقُرْآنُ عَلَىٰ رَجُلٍ مِّنَ الْقَرْيَتَيْنِ عَظِيمٍ That they say, why was this Qur'an sent down? Why was this Qur'an not sent down upon a great man from one of the two cities? So they criticized, they objected, as if they were saying, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made a bad choice. Now this is something that's, you know, very problematic, right? Even hearing this statement is something that makes us upset, right? It's blasphemous if you think about it. Now in general terms, remember this is a very, very important principle that we should remember. We need to bring this to our context, to our lives. That we as human beings, who are we? We are Allah's servants. We are owned by Him. Alright? And when we are owned by Him, and He is our owner, then He is the one who chooses. He is the one who decides. 
we don't have that authority. And if we had even a little bit of this authority, then we would have chosen whether we wanted to be a man or a woman. Seriously. If we had even a little bit of this authority, then we would have chosen in which house we should have been born in. Or at least we should have chosen if we even wanted to be born. Do we have that choice? We don't have that choice. Did Allah ask you before He created you? No. He didn't ask you. Because we don't have that authority. We are owned by Him. You know, for example, when you go buy a pen, do you ask the pen, should I buy you? What do you think? No. You don't ask that question. It's your choice. Isn't it? وَلِلَّهِ الْمَثَلُ الْأَعْلَى Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He is the owner. It's His decision that matters. Our choices, what we think, it doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. So ultimate, absolute ikhtiyar is with who? With who? With Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And subhanallah wa ta'ala amma yushrikun. What does this teach us? That why would you even think about Allah that He did not make a good decision? How could you even think like that? Who is it? that would make a bad decision. Someone who has limited knowledge. Isn't it? Like for example, you do all your research before buying an alarm clock. Hmm? Which one would be good? You do so much research, you waste so much time reading one review after the other and checking one website after the other. And then finally you buy an alarm clock and you think it's really good. And then what happens when somebody comes and sees it? You have this? You should have asked me. I bought it a year ago, it's useless. Right? If somebody says that to you, then you ask, what happened? What's wrong with it? And they start telling you about the problems that it has caused them. Right? So, why did you make a bad choice? Because you have limited knowledge. Isn't it? So we as human beings, no matter how much knowledge and experience we have, remember, we are prone to error. Because we are imperfect. We are not as-salam. We are not free of defects. Allah Azza wa Jalla, who is He? As-Salam. And who is As-Salam? The one who is free from any defect whatsoever. He is perfect. He is attributed with the attributes of perfection. So His knowledge is perfect. Right? And His knowledge includes the past, present and future. His wisdom, His decision. So whatever He has chosen... Whatever he has decided, remember it is the best. It is really the best. So if Allah chose Muhammad ﷺ to be his prophet, then Allah made the best decision. If Allah chose that you fail your G2, despite your efforts, then inshaAllah, it was a good decision that Allah made. Because this is something that will result in goodness. If you did your best. Okay? So whatever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decides for us, remember, it is the best decision. If Allah decided that it should become cold now, then it is the best decision. Alright? If Allah allowed anything to happen, Allah decreed anything in His religion, remember it is the best decree. If Allah has decreed certain things in our deen, 
certain do's and certain don'ts, certain rights that he has given to some groups of people, and certain rights that he has not given to other groups of people. If he has distributed this in his creation, then remember it is the best decision. Because subhanallah wa ta'ala amma yushrikun. وَرَبُّكَ and your Lord يَعْلَمُ He knows مَا that which تُكِنُّ it conceals تُكِنُّ كَافْ نُون نُون we have done this word numerous times before so Allah knows what their hearts conceal مَا تُكِنُّ صُدُورُهُمْ صُدُور plural of صدر Allah knows what people conceal in their hearts now in the context what does this refer to? The mushrikeen, whatever bad feelings, whatever hatred, you know, they had for the Prophet ﷺ in their heart, feelings of jealousy, because it was ultimately jealousy, right? Then why was he chosen? Why was he selected? Why did Jibreel come to him? Why was he chosen by Allah? Why not me? Why not he? Why not my relative? Hmm? And many times this happens in our lives also, that if one person is given something that we have not been given, what kind of feelings do we entertain in our hearts? Oh, why not me? Right? Just like little children, if one is given a candy, the other will say, what about me? Right? But we should go out of this and understand that everybody cannot have a candy. Right? So this is sadly how we think many times that when we see something that others have been given and we have not been given, instead of feeling happy for the other person, we begin to feel jealous. Instead of thinking about and appreciating and using what Allah has given us, we get upset about what has been given to others. So whether it is feelings of jealousy, or it is hatred for others, or it's anger with Allah's decree, or it's objecting at Allah's decision, having problems with Allah's decree, whatever it is that a person conceals in their heart, وَرَبُّكَ يَعْلَمُ مَا تُكِنُّ صُدُورُهُمْ وَمَا يُعْلِنُونَ and مَا يُعْلِنُونَ That which they reveal. إِعْلَان عَيْن لَامْ That which they reveal. That which they declare. Meaning the little bit which they do express, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows about that also. Because it is the same to Allah whether a person whispers something, screams it out loud, or he just says in his heart. It's the same to Allah. Because His knowledge is all-encompassing. So when Allah knows what we think and what we say, do we not have haya of Allah then? Should we not have haya, some level of shyness before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? He knows what I'm thinking. He knows what feelings I am entertaining in my heart. What jealousy I'm allowing to grow, to settle in my heart. Allah knows. So have haya of Allah. How can we entertain such thoughts about Allah? How could we ever think that Allah made a bad decision? That Allah should have done such and such, or He should not have done such and such. Whose judgment are we criticizing? Does this even befit us? Does this even befit us? That we as Allah's creation, we as Allah's mamluk, we are criticizing Allah? And if we have done so, can we escape Allah's anger and punishment then? So this ayah is a threat. This ayah is a threat. That whatever you're feeling inside, don't think Allah doesn't know. He knows what you're feeling inside. He knows how angry you are with His decree. He knows about it. Remember that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's decrees, His hukum, His amr is of two types. One is kawni and the other is shari. One is kawni, kawni meaning related to the 
creation. You know, worldly matters basically. Alright? Like for example, you fall ill. Or for example, you're feeling very cold. Or for example, your favorite team lost. Right? Or for example, somebody came, somebody went, somebody was born. Somebody's eyes are a certain color. Or somebody's height is very less. Or anything like that. These are all totally matters that happen because of Allah's permission. Right? He allowed it. He made it happen and this is why it happened. And the other kind of amr is that which is shari, meaning that which is within the religion, that which Allah has legislated. The law that Allah has revealed for His servants that they must observe. Like for example, pray five times a day. For example, the law of inheritance. For example, the law of qisas. You know, whether it is criminal law or whatever kind of law that we derive from the Qur'an and sunnah, that is what? Shari law. Okay? Shari amr. So if a person has any problem okay, with Allah's amr, whether that amr is kawni or shari, and that you know, frustration or anger or whatever bad feelings a person has, whether they keep it in their heart or they express it, Allah knows. You know, this was at least a tradition until some time ago that if people had a problem with religion, they would just keep quiet. They had a problem with Qur'an, they would just keep quiet. They'd be angry inside, but they would just keep quiet. But now we see a wave of people boldly, you know, very confidently going off against the Qur'an and Sunnah. Seriously. I mean, it's amazing how people who are supposed to be Muslim are the ones who are criticizing the Qur'an and criticizing the Sunnah. Criticizing the hijab and criticizing every aspect of the deen. So look at this ayah. وَرَبُّكَ يَعْنَمُ مَا تُكِنُّ صُدُورُهُمْ وَمَا يُعْلِنُونَ Now again, let's bring it to our own lives. You know, sometimes when we look in the mirror, and we stare at our eyebrows, we're like, oh, I wish this part was, you know, oh well, poor me. This is what? Not being okay with Allah's decision. And then getting upset. You know what? so difficult. You can't even shape your eyebrows. You can't even do that. Getting upset with Tawni Amr and Shari Amr. Now it's possible that you just have this conversation with yourself when you're looking in your phone, staring at your eyebrows. You know what I mean? And it's quite possible that you verbalize this. You know, you have this discussion with somebody in a panel or in your school or whatever it is, whether you had this conversation with yourself or you had it with somebody else, who knows about it? Allah knows. And this is a threat. Be careful. If you have a problem with Allah's decree, do you even realize what you're putting yourself up for? You're angry with Allah? You're angry with His decision? What are you doing? What are you doing? Think about it. Sometimes we have a problem not with our physical features, but with the people that are in our lives. Oh, I wish so-and-so was not my relative. I wish so-and-so was not in my life. Assalamu alaikum. Uh, when I was coming home from work, I was just thinking about, you know, different things going on in life. And I was kind of complaining, right? In my own head, like, why is this happening or whatever. And right away, Allah made me right away look at homeless person on the street, sidewalk. Walking in this cold weather, you know, he was dragging a cart with lots of uh, garbage in it and some food or whatever. And, you know, I felt so 
sad. I'm like, what am I complaining? I'm sitting in a car, warm. I'm going to a house which is warm. I have food on my, you know, table. What am I complaining about? Um, there is nothing. My problems are nothing compared to what this man is going through. This is the thing that, however, our life is, whatever situation we are in, no matter how apparently worldly problem it may be. You know, because sometimes we think it was something that's purely worldly, how does that have an effect on our religion? It does, because something that's purely worldly, like for example your paycheck, or your car, or what happened when you were driving, it affects your thinking. Doesn't it? It affects your speech. It affects your belief. Your perspective on life. And it matters. So ultimately, what we are being taught in these verses is that if something happened which you did not choose yourself, remember Allah chose it. And if Allah chose it, don't criticize Allah's decision. Don't you dare criticize Allah's decision. Surrender to it. Accept it. And Allah will bring good from it. Look at the first word that we learned. وَرَبُّكَ يَخْلُقُ مَا يَشَاءُ وَيَخْتَارُ What is it that Allah chooses? What is it that Allah selects? اِخْتَارَ يَخْتَارُ what does it mean? To choose what you think is? Is? Khair. So if Allah has chosen something for us, and if we accept His decision, it's not possible that you will suffer. That you will get shar from it. No. Allah will give you khair through that. Provided that you accept it. Provided that you accept His will. You accept His decree. وَهُوَ اللَّهُ And He is Allah. لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا There is no deity except Him. He is the one who is deserving of worship. And our criticizing His judgment does not affect Him at all. لَهُ الْحَمْدُ For Him is praise. Due to Him is all ultimate praise. فِي الْأُولَى وَالْآخِرَةِ in the ula and the akhirah. What does ula mean? Ula is a feminine of awwal. Awwal is first, ula is also first. And the opposite of that is akhirah, that which is last. So he is worthy of praise, he is deserving of being praised in the first and the last. What does he mean by this? In the first and the last. This can be understood in numerous ways. Firstly, from the beginning to the end. You know, at the beginning of something and at the end of something. So every matter that Allah brings about from its very inception, from its very beginning until its conclusion, Allah is deserving of praise. Because how it started and how it ended is all perfect. It was all perfectly planned by Allah. It was executed in the best way. لَهُ الْحَمْدُ فِي الْأُولَى وَالْآخِرَةِ What happens to us when we start something? Either we have a very bad start, right? Or we have a bad end. Or we've just barely made it through. We're not deserving of praise. And if somebody praises us, good job, what is it that you tell yourself? Yeah, right, good job. I don't know how this happened. Right? I don't know how this happened. I just somehow, the result was good. And this is why you say, Alhamdulillah, Allah made it happen. Right? So, لَهُ fil ula wal And also this can be understood as, in the first, meaning al-ula refers to the first life. Okay, so in this dunya, whatever happens, Allah is deserving of praise. So 
I will correct my statement that I made earlier. Alhamdulillah for what happened last night. Because whatever happens, happens for good. You know, whether we fail or we win, we lose or we accomplish something, whatever happens, Alhamdulillah. The Prophet ﷺ, when he received something good, he said, Alhamdulillah. And when something bad happened, he would say, Alhamdulillah, ala kulli hal. So, lahu alhamd fil ula. In this worldly life, no matter what happens, no matter what disaster happens, no matter what catastrophe happens, no matter what, you know, global problem happens, Alhamdulillah. Still, Alhamdulillah. Because Allah is worthy of praise even then. We think Alhamdulillah only when something good happens. And something good, what is good? What we want. How selfish we are. Right? So, لَهُ الْحَمْدُ فِي الْأُولَى And الْآخِرَةِ It refers to the afterlife, meaning what will happen in the next world. Even for that, Allah is deserving of praise. So from the beginning to the end, in this life and in the next life, Allah is worthy of praise for His judgment, for His decision, for His decree. Because whatever He has said is good. Whatever He has done is good. Whatever He has legislated is good. It is best. وَلَهُ الْحُكْمُ And for Him is the decision. Meaning, he has the right to make the ultimate, the final decision. Al-hukm, it refers to over here, such a decision that is implemented. For sure it is implemented. No matter how much you know, people resist, still it will be implemented. Sometimes what happens? You make a rule, and then you yourself go against it. Right? Like for example, you make a rule, that the moment people enter the house, they have to take their shoes off. It's the rule. But then what happens when you're in a rush and you're stepping out the door and you realize you've forgotten the key? Are you going to sit down, take your boots off, and then walk inside and get your keys? No, you're going to do away with the rule. Even if as the older sibling or as the mother, you are the one who made that rule, you yourself go against it. Isn't it? You know what I'm talking about, right? It happens with us all the time. So the rule is not implemented. Or sometimes we want to make sure the rule is implemented. We remind other people. We write down the rules, family rules, and we put them up, you know, different parts of the house. And then what happens? People walk past it as if it doesn't even exist. Right? People go and do whatever they want. Your rules, your decisions, it's like they don't even matter. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's decision, how is it? It is a nafid, it is implemented. Like for example, if Allah decrees that someone should die, and no matter how upset the family is, or no matter how upset the person is, is that going to change anything? Is it going to change anything? Nothing at all. Lahul hukmu. What's the lesson over here? That we cannot escape Allah's Hukum, his decree, no matter how much we resist. And to him you shall be returned. You cannot avoid this. So it is in our best interest that we accept Allah's decisions and we come to terms with his decrees. It's in our best decision. Resisting them is only going to bring us anger and frustration and unhappiness. 
because we cannot cause any damage to him nor can we change Allah's decree and our Lord is not unfair he is not unfair so whatever decision he has made it is the best so accepting it is what is in our best interest so surrendering to him is only going to help us it's a win-win because firstly we have surrendered to him right and secondly when we have surrendered to his will then Allah will bring about good in that also you know just consider the life of Musa alayhi salam because we have studied the life of Musa alayhi salam in the surah right that Musa alayhi salam in the accidental murder that happened in the following day when it was publicized and then you know people were coming to catch him so basically he fled right he ran away just put yourself in that situation how difficult it must have been for Musa alayhi that how within a day his life changed isn't it now if he did not accept it and did not make the best of that situation could he have been happy in his life could he have lived a good life you see what we want is as human beings what we're seeking is peace and happiness right you know if we have to make a decision concerning for example what we want to buy we want to buy something that's going to be most comfortable that's going to look you know most good right we want things to be problem free isn't it like for example when i buy dishes it has to go in the dishwasher if it's not dishwasher safe i do not buy it simple that's my rule because i want my kitchen to be somewhat problem free that you use it stick it in the dishwasher right stick it in the dishwasher stick it in the dishwasher that's just my rule because i want things to be problem free in my kitchen but does that eliminate loading the dishwasher and unloading it does it no it doesn't so just because i have dishwasher safe dishes in my kitchen does that eliminate the problem of washing dishes it doesn't there's still a problem okay fine there's one less problem but there's still a problem isn't there this is the reality of this life that no matter what you choose to do or what you choose to leave you will still have some problem in your life all right this is the reality of this life jannah is darus salam the home of peace and safety meaning the home which is problem free that is jannah it's not dunya at all but doesn't Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say you know for example we learn about the importance of saying assalamu alaykum greet each other with assalamu alaykum peace be on you may salam be on you so when we're saying may salam be on you then what does it mean it's not going to work what kind of salam what kind of safety what kind of peace what kind of you know happiness is it that we can achieve in this life it's not physical it is that of the heart when the heart can be at peace you look at the lives of the prophets what difficult lives they lived didn't they and allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says salamun ala nuh may peace be on nuh nuh alayhi salam did he live a problem free life come on 900 years dealing with such difficult people and then building a ship and being mocked at and then the storm coming the flood coming and then watching his own son drown just imagine allah says salamun ala nuh when we say the name of the prophet 
What do we say? Sallallahu alayhi wa sallama. Sallama. May salam be on him. So what salam was he in? What salam was the Prophet ﷺ was in? It was the salama of the heart. Right? Which is why we learned that when the Prophet ﷺ and Abu Bakr anhu, when they were in the cave, what did the Prophet ﷺ say? لا تحزن إن الله معنا this is the security, the peace, the happiness, the problem-free feeling that we can have when we rely upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when the heart is at peace, when the heart is at ease. Physical, external, salama, we cannot have ever. We cannot achieve in this life. No matter how much money we gather, no matter how much power we have, no matter how many helpers we have, no matter how many friends we have, no matter how many lovers we have, doesn't matter, it's irrelevant. It's not going to bring us external salama. Ever. Ever. But what we can attain is what? The salama of the heart. And when a person has salama of the heart, that he's content with Allah's decree, happy, accepting, submitting to Allah, then Allah will admit this person in Darus Salam. Where there will be salam from Allah. Safety. Problem-free life. That exists only in Jannah. So over here, what do we learn? لَهُ الْحَمْدُ فِي الْأُولَى وَالْآخِرَةِ وَلَهُ الْحُكْمُ وَإِلَيْهِ تُرْجَعُونَ You cannot escape Allah's plan. So surrender to it. Be at peace now and forever be happy later. لَهُ الْحَمْدُ فِي الْأُولَى وَالْآخِرَةِ وَلَهُ الْحُكْمُ وَإِلَيْهِ تُرْجَعُونَ Over here in this ayah, hamd is mentioned. That Allah is worthy of praise. We learned that once a poet, Aswad, when he embraced Islam, he came to the Prophet ﷺ. And he said that in my poetry, I praised Allah. Right? Meaning I said verses of poetry in which was Allah's praise. So basically he was asking, is that okay? And the Prophet ﷺ said, أَمَا إِنَّ رَبَّكَ يُحِبُّ الْحَمْدِ Your Lord loves hamd. He loves to be praised. He loves it when his servant praises him. So if a person praises Allah in their poetry, in their daily you know, language, in their texting, in their posting, in their you know, reflections, in their casual conversations, whatever situation they're in, when a person praises Allah, Alhamdulillah, then this is something that Allah loves. Because a servant has shown servitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He has accepted Allah's decree. So Allah loves it. In another hadith we learn, the Prophet ﷺ said, Man in shay'in, there is nothing that is more beloved to Allah than hamd. Allah loves hamd. Why? Because He is worthy of it. Even if He loves it because of Himself, He is worthy of it. But He loves it even more because His servant is praising Him. You understand? You see, with us, what happens? When somebody praises us, why do we like that praise? We feel special. We forget about the people who are praising us. Right? And we're so happy that we are being praised. Right? This is our problem. We don't appreciate the people who are praising us, who are appreciating us. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves hamd. Why? Because first of all, he loves to be praised. Alright? He loves to be praised. He is al-mutakabbir. He is the one who deserves it. Alright? And secondly, because his servant is praising him. Allah loves shukr from his servants. 
right? He appreciates when his servants show gratitude to him. This is why he rewards so generously, so abundantly. In another hadith we learn that the Prophet ﷺ said that the people in Jannah would glorify and praise Allah as easily as you breathe. As easily as you breathe. Do you think about breathing? Do you tell yourself, okay, I'm going to breathe now? Well, maybe if you're exercising and you're in a very difficult pose or something, you know, doing a very difficult stretch, then you're like, breathe, breathe. <laughs> but like for example, right now, do you have to tell yourself to breathe? Do you? Do you stop writing in order to breathe? No, you don't. It comes naturally. People in Jannah will praise Allah, glorify Allah. How? How? Naturally. But this will happen when we are in the habit of praising Allah now. That no matter what happens, Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. And not just saying Alhamdulillah so that we don't have anything else to say. You know, because sometimes we say Alhamdulillah because we don't know what else to say. No, Alhamdulillah, consciously, knowingly, with the heart. Lahu alhamdu fil ula wal akhira. Now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala further proves our weakness to us. Qul, say, araaytum, have you considered? In if ja'alallahu, Allah made, alaykum on you, alayla the night. Have you considered if Allah were to make the night on you sarmadan, continuous? Sarmadan is from the root letters seen, ra, mim, dal. Or it's from the root letters seen, ra, dal. Okay? Now, what does it mean by sard, seen, ra, dal? Sin ra dal sarada literally means to continue, to follow uninterruptedly. Alright? And the meme is extra over here, it is za'id for the purpose of mubalagha, for intensiveness, for signification. Alright? So endlessly. So what would be sarmad? What would it be? When something continues, keeps happening, keeps going without stopping. Like it's never ending. Never ending. There's no break, no pause, nothing. It's like it's going on forever and ever, ever. Like you might be thinking that I'm just talking and talking. But don't worry, inshallah, I'll stop soon. Okay? This is sarmad. Alright? And sarmad, otherwise, it's understood as something with endless duration without interruption or end. Da'iman bila inqita. Meaning when something is continuous without any end. When something has dawam. When something has ittisal. Meaning it's continuous. There's no breakage in the middle. Alright? From this, the word sarmadi is used for something that has no beginning or end. Meaning, not literally, but in the sense that, you know, for example, if you have a mark on your body, and somebody asks you, how did this happen? You're like, it's been there since before I can remember even. It's always been there. Apparently, when I was six months old, then such and such happened. Right? It's always been there. It's a part of you. That is sarmadi. Alright? So no beginning, no end. It's not going anywhere. Alright? So, Layl, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying over here, that have you considered, do you even understand whose judgment you are criticizing? Think about it. If Allah were to make the night upon you continuous, 
literally continuous, without a break in the middle. Meaning, there is not even a single day. The sun does not rise at all. It's just night, 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 night. One twenty-four hour cycle after another, month after month, year after year. It's just night. You don't see the light of the day at all. إِلَى يَوْمِ الْقِيَامَةِ Until the day of judgment, if this were to happen, and can it happen? Yes, it can. If Allah wills, it can happen. Allah asks us, مَنْ who ilahun god ghayrullahi besides allah ya'tikum who will bring you bidiyain with light who is that god you have besides allah who could bring you light afala tasma'un then do you not hear do you not listen to this proof our weakness is further emphasized over here that think about it if allah were to make the night continuous. Can you do anything about it? For sure, you cannot do anything about it. You cannot change it back to day and night cycle. You don't have that power. You don't have that means to reverse Allah's decision. You cannot change it. Even if you gather up all of your resources and all of your power. So then do you have a God who could do that for you? Do you have a God who could do that for you? Who do you have? Who could reverse Allah's decision? Who could change Allah's decision? You see, when it comes to the natural order of the universe, right, or the natural disasters, so-called natural disasters that happen, the incidents that happen, and these changes that happen, literally we are helpless before it. Literally. You know, if a volcano is erupting and there's ashes up in the air, can we say, okay, enough, now stop? We're going to have to shut down our airports, cancel flights for weeks and weeks, but we cannot stop that volcano. We cannot. We are helpless before this. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is teaching us over here, do you realize who you are? Then how dare you criticize Allah's judgment? How dare you criticize His decisions? قُلْ أَرَأَيْتُمْ Say, have you considered إِنْ جَعَلَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْكُمْ If Allah made on you النَّهَارَ The day سَرْمَدًا Continuous Now the day If Allah were to make the day continuous upon you such that there is no night إِلَى يَوْمِ الْقِيَامَةِ Until the day of judgment then مَنْ إِلَاهٌ غَيْرُ اللَّهِ Who is that God other than Allah يَأْتِيكُمْ بِلَيْلٍ Who could bring you the night تَسْكُنُونَ فِيهِ in which you could rest in. Taskununa. Taskununa from sakana. Which means that for sukun, night is essential. Darkness of the night is essential. And seriously, if you think about it, you know, if you sleep in the day, no matter how many hours you sleep, and if you sleep in the night, even if it's a very few hours, which sleep is more restful? Hmm? The night sleep. Sukun that only comes with the sleep in the night. Then will you not see? Will you not see your error? So over here, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is making us think. Okay? Realize our own weakness and the power of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Our status compared to the status of Allah Azza wa Jal. We are so limited in our abilities. We're so helpless. Getting angry with Allah's decision is only harming oneself. Now, something important that's mentioned in this ayah about the night, تَسْكُنُونَ فِيهِ 
You can only find sukoon in the night. Right? Which means that if the day was continuous, you wouldn't have sukoon, even if you tried to sleep. And this is something that's very true. You see, dark is what triggers rest. And light triggers wakefulness. Okay? Darkness, you know, when it's dark, when we are in a dark place, it triggers melatonin release in our bodies. Alright? And it is this chemical that lowers blood pressure, glucose levels, as well as body temperature. And when these things happen, these are basically key physiological responses which are responsible for restful sleep. Meaning when all of these things happen, that means that yes, our sleep is restful. Light, on the other hand, what does that do? It suppresses this chemical in our bodies. And this is why when there is light, we're not able to sleep. Or even if we sleep, that sleep is not really restful. Right? I mean, think about it. If you're sitting in a dark room, dark in the sense that the lights are off, okay, and the windows, the shutters are closed, or let's say it's night outside and the light is very dim, are you going to feel awake or sleepy? How are you going to feel? Sleepy. And if you happen to fall asleep when the lights were on, if you happen to fall asleep when the TV was on, how do you wake up? How do you wake up? Seriously. It's as if you didn't get your rest. Isn't it? Do you ever fall asleep on the couch in the living room? You know what I'm talking about, right? How do you wake up? It's as if you didn't get your rest. Even though you slept for so many hours, you were knocked out, but still it is as if you did not get your rest. So for a restful sleep, darkness is essential. If we don't sleep in the dark, our sleep will not be restful. So over here, you know, we're being taught, whose decrees are you challenging? Whose hukum are you refusing to accept? وَمِنْ رَحْمَتِهِ And from His mercy, it is out of His mercy that Jala He has made لَكُمْ for you اللَّيْلَ وَالنَّهَارِ The night and the day. Why has He made the night and the day? Two different things. Why? لِتَسْكُنُوا فِيهِ So that you may rest in it. When is it that we find rest? In the night. وَلِتَبْتَعُوا مِنْ فَضْلِهِ And so that you seek from His bounty. And when does this happen? During the day. وَلَعَلَّكُمْ تَشْكُرُونَ And so that you are grateful. Meaning when you have this natural schedule, the night and the day, darkness and light, then a part of your day you sleep, and the part of the day you work. And at the end, you are actually able to produce something in your life. You are actually able to achieve something in your life. And when you achieve something in your life, that is shukr to Allah. I did something with the time, with the life that, oh Allah, you gave me. So in this ayah, what do we learn? The alternation of the night and the day are a sign of Allah's mercy. They are a part of Allah's mercy. And this teaches us that we have to take advantage of the night and we also have to take advantage of the day. Right? Night. What is it for? What is it for? For rest. Does this mean that we cannot be up at night to do some work? We can be. If it's necessary, of course we can be. There's no harm in doing that. However, you know, the bulk of your work or the most important work, when should that be done? In the daytime. The Prophet ﷺ, he said, beware of conversing after the night is still. Meaning when it's dark, when it's nighttime, then 
don't just go on socializing, socializing, talking, partying. Don't do that. Why? Huh? You'll miss your fajr. You'll miss your fajr. Exactly. And your day will be affected. Has it ever happened with you that you wake up just 10 minutes late? And because of that, you don't end up having your breakfast. Right? You rush out the door so you forget your laptop charger. Right? And then when you get to school, you're so hungry. So after class, you run you know, to find food somewhere. And then you buy it. And then you're rushing to eat it. And because you ate so fast, your stomach is hurting now. Right? And then you realize that your laptop is dead. So there goes all your time because you can't do your assignments now. Or in the middle of the work day, you have to go home and pick up your laptop charger so that you can continue your work. You see, your whole day got affected because you didn't sleep on time, because of which you couldn't wake up on time, because of which your productivity was affected. You couldn't achieve in that day which you could have achieved had you slept on time. In another hadith, we learn that the Prophet ﷺ disliked to sleep before Isha and to talk after it. Okay? And this is especially referring to outside the house. Right? Inside the house, it's a different story. Like for example, if parents and children, they're having a conversation after dinner, after Isha, there's nothing wrong with it. But outside, you know, you're out of the house, and you're just talking, socializing, going to Timmy's, and then uh, I feel like ice cream, and then, you know, this is our only night out, so let's just take full advantage of it. Right? This is something that's disliked. In another hadith, we learned that, and this hadith is in Bukhari, that a person was mentioned before the Prophet ﷺ, and he was told that this man had kept on sleeping until morning and had not gotten up for the salah. And the Prophet ﷺ said, Shaitan urinated in his ears. Seriously. I mean, this is horrible. Isn't it horrible? Imagine... Shaitan urinating in our ears. And Shaitan khabis. Khabis. Which is why we say, Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min al-khubti wal-khaba'ith. Khabis. Even a human being, even a baby, if by accident their urine comes on us, how ghost out we feel. And not in our skin, in our clothes, which we can quickly put in the wash and get, you know, and clean up. Shaitan urinates in the ear of the person who sleeps through salah. وَالْعِيَاذُ بِاللَّهِ So the night and the day are for a reason. Let's take advantage of it. This is, you know, key to productivity. Taking the right advantage of the night and taking the right advantage of the day. And if we mess this up, then our life will be messed up. وَيَلْمَ and on the day, yunadihim, he will call them. Fayaqulu, then he will say, Aina shurakai, where are my partners? Alladina kuntum tazumun, which you used to claim. Where are those shuraka which you used to associate with me, because of whom you forgot me, because of whom you criticized my decrees? Because what was preventing I mean, if you think about it, what was the main problem that Mushrikeen had with the Prophet ﷺ? Was it the fact that really he was chosen to be a Prophet? They loved him. They had immense respect for him. The problem was they didn't like his message. So this was an excuse. Why did Allah choose him? 
Why not somebody else? This was just an excuse. They loved their idols too much. They didn't want to leave them for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So on the day of judgment, Allah will ask, where are those idols that you used to associate with me because of whom you criticized my decrees? You were so attached to them that you preferred them over me. And you dared to criticize my decree. وَنَزَعْنَا And we will extract نَزَعْ To pull out مِنْ كُلِّ أُمَّةٍ From every nation شَهِيدًا A witness From every community on the Day of Judgment A witness will be brought out Who is this witness? The Prophet that was sent to that nation Because the Prophet of that nation will have to testify Because people will respond that, oh, we didn't know, we were ignorant, we were unaware. So were they really unaware? Were they really ignorant? To prove that they weren't, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will bring about the Prophet of that nation, the Prophet who was sent to them. فَقُلْنَا Then we will say, هَاتُ بُرْهَانَكُمْ Bring your proof. Bring your proof that you were really ignorant. Bring your proof that really you didn't know Allah was one. Produce your proof. Justify your error. Justify your misguidance. Justify your shirk. Fa'alimu. Then they will know that the truth belongs to Allah. They will know that yes, the Prophet came to us. He conveyed to us. We refused to accept. We weren't ignorant. We were at fault. So they will know that the truth belongs to Allah, meaning they will know that they are at fault, their loss will be evident to them. anhum And lost from them will be يفترون, that which they used to invent. So over here, a scene of the Day of Judgment is mentioned. And what is that scene? That how people will be asked about their sins. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will prove their guilt to them. By bringing witnesses, the shuhada, the witnesses, and the prophets of Allah will be witnesses against their people or for them. Against them that we conveyed the message. For them that yes, they accepted the message. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us amongst those, you know, for whom the Prophet will testify. Alright, we will listen to the recitation. ما كان لهم الخيرة سبحان الله وتعالى عما يشركون وربك يعلم ما تكن صدورهم وما يعلنون وهو الله لا له الحمد في الأولى والآخرة وله الحكم وإليه ترجعون قل أرأيتم إن جعل الله عليكم الليل سرمدا إلى يوم القيامة من إله غير الله يأتيكم بضياء أَفَلَا تَسْمَعُونَ قُلْ أَرَأَيْتُمْ إِنْ جَعَلَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْكُمُ النَّهَارَ سَرْمَدًا إِلَى يَوْمِ الْقِيَامَةِ مَنْ إِلَهٌ غَيْرُ اللَّهِ يَأْتِيكُمْ بِلَيْلٍ 
من غیر اللہ کانو یفتروں